0: Hey, everybody, and welcome to Learning from Smart People. I am your host, Rob Oliver, and my guest today is Chris Ward. She is a, the leading authority in building your business by building your team. She is the founder of the Win the Hour, Win the Day philosophy. She helps entrepreneurs create their WIN team, W-I-N, which it stands for What is Next. So, you have to get your idea to implementation and make your ambitions come alive. Chris, welcome to the show.
1: I am super excited to be here, not just because it's a great show, but I am now, I'm going to tell my mother, officially a smart person. So, you know, we can talk about whatever you want. I'm here now. I'm a smart person. I'm good.
0: (laughs) You know what? This is what's beautiful. I am sure that your mother believes that you are a smart person. And if. Okay, I'm gonna make a confession now, all right? And that is, you and I have some similar roots, okay? Because my family is, you're up in Prince Edward Island, Canada. My, my dad's side of the family is actually from Nova Scotia, and so my, my grandmother was one of those people. And I knew that she loved me and I knew that she thought I was amazing, but she spent most of her life making sure that I didn't get a large head. And so anytime, oh. anytime that she had an opportunity to kind of, you know, poke my balloon or whatever it was that to kind of keep me humble. She would I knew that she loved me. I knew she was proud of me, but she, she never wanted me to uh, just kind of absorb that and, and relish it too much and, you know, just become too self-confident. So, Gotcha. Yeah. So I, I'm. I hope that your mom's not quite exactly like that, but you now do have bragging rights to say, "Hey, mom," I, and for that matter, everyone else in my life. Um, I'm certified. I am officially a smart.
1: Yeah, I was pretty spoiled. She thought I was smart long before I did. I'll tell you.
0: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's fantastic. You know, let's start to talk about this concept that you have of win the hour, win the day,
1: mm-hmm. and
0: you've got a backstory as to kind of how this started. Do you mind sharing that with us?
1: Not at all, Rob. Uh, so I, I'm a marketing strategist and I was in business for a, a number of years and like everybody else, when we first started out, like I was working insane hours in the beginning and luckily there was a time where I turned that around really quickly because I realized the people in my life that were my biggest fans, my husband, like they were starting to pay the price. So, so I started examining productivity and team building and all that stuff. And so lucky I did because it was just a couple of years after that um that my husband had been diagnosed with colon cancer and I had been pulled away from the business for a good two years. And when mm-hmm. I returned after his passing, my existing clients had no idea. They the, the business community I was part of, everybody was shocked. You know, we we kept it very private. I didn't think it was good for business. We also had a very positive approach to his journey. We felt that if the doctors were wrong, we sat around crying, and holding hands for two years. If the doctors are right, we sat around the last two years, crying and holding hands. So, aside from the business and our approach, and you know, I gave them some su- surprise trips, and we had some a lot of excitement going on just to make the days valuable. The the chemo, the surgeries, the appointments—that is more than a full-time job, right? Mm, yes. So I was hopping for a bit. That is for sure. Never mind, take the emotional component out of it and losing your best friend and all that stuff. So when I come back and everyone is just shocked that they had no idea, they started to come to me, you know, and ask me, like, how did I manage? Because they're working day, night, night, day as all you guys are. And so I started working with them under the capacity of team building and productivity and stuff like that and i really you know i was reminded of the fragility of life and i felt that your business oh my heavens your business should support your life not consume it like you know it just can't be the other way where it's a constant sacrifice to your family your time your health because you have these dreams so i started working with them and under that capacity and then it just kind of snowballed and i thought i want to help more people i want to create a movement because everyone is self-diagnosing or criticizing themselves and they're working alone late at night and think once they get past this next thing or once they work harder and get more organized and you're just chasing the wrong thing so that's when I wrote my book when the hour when the day and we also have the info product called the outsourcing playbook for busy entrepreneurs and we do private and group coaching and all kinds of stuff but it's really just the the really big thing is as an entrepreneur really all you're trying to do is get ideas to implementation. Ideas to implementation. The people out there that maybe you have a professional jealousy when you look at them, like how are they getting all this stuff done? They're just getting ideas to implementation, and you really truly cannot do that without a win team, a what is next team, so you can get to what is next.
0: That's awesome. And let me just say that you know I'm I'm very sorry for your loss. I I have my best friend, literally from my entire life, I lost to prostate cancer a couple Mm -hmm. years ago. So. It's not exactly the same, but it's someone that I was extremely close to, and I I know what you're talking about with the appointments and all of those things. But what you're—this is what I think is really a beautiful, a beautiful story of what comes out of this. Out of the negativity comes a positive, right? And I think that in so many circumstances, people get so wrapped up in the negative side of things that they miss out on how do I, how do I use this as a learning experience? How do I use this as something that is actually going to to put me in a better place as I come out of it? And that's, that's a beautiful thing. And so as you're, as you're doing this, as you're building a team, is this, how do you start that process? Because most people are feeling like I'm too small to have a team. I I don't have the budget to have a team. Like what, where do I start if I'm trying to build a, a team?
1: That is a great question. It's probably the number one question we get on our website, www.WinTheHourWithTheDay.com. And that's probably it. There is this false sense of, okay, wait till I, you know, I'm making more money or doing this or get further up the mountain that I'm climbing. And here's the thing. We live in an absolutely magical time, despite all the doom and gloom in the news. We live in a magical time because you really can afford, you can afford help. You truly can. So let me give you a very simple example of how it all started for me about eight years ago um, is that I was going still then I mean I've been doing virtual a long time now because even when businesses were close to my office I thought oh you have to add some padding time in there and go drive over and hey how are you and you just hit a button and get to your next appointment so I went virtual lot, like years ago but about eight nine years ago I was still going to physical appointments and I would be sitting in someone's office and I would be like okay I'm making all these plans for the marketing strategy and they're very customized And I would promise hand to God, when I got back to the office, I would put it right into the computer, into the notes. Now, of course, that like never happened. And if I was lucky, I got them in Friday afternoon, but more often than not the next Friday. So then when people called and they'd have a specific question about what this lengthy conversation that we had, I got the opportunity to be one of two people. One, I, you could hear me frantically trying to read my notes that were meant for 20 minutes. Um, you know, scrambling, or I might misquote them. because, And it looked like I was trying to swindle them. It was like, no, I just couldn't read these notes that were supposed to be meant for 20 minutes, right? Right. So I was like, something has to give. It was just so much stress and it was always hanging over me. So then I found a transcriptionist. And what I would do is I would leave the meeting, sit in the driveway, talk into my phone for 30 seconds, and just go over the notes to short forms I had on my notepad. And then she would put all the detailed stuff into their files. So it was done. Now, some weeks I needed her for like three, four hours of meetings and some weeks I needed her for none, but because this is all she did, I don't understand it. This is what her zone of genius was. She loved this. She had like 10 clients. So the weeks that I needed her for three or four hours, she was so fast. Cause she, that's all she did. And it cost me $12. So surely, even I thought at that point, I couldn't afford it. I could afford $12 not to make a mistake and lose a client over a much bigger package. So that's what I want people to understand is we're not talking like the old school employee mindset where you have to bring somebody on part-time or full-time and then all these other expenses that go with it or a desk or the commitment. You could be starting tomorrow to build your team and you could be having somebody come in, you know, come in virtually saying, okay. You know, we're starting up slow. So it'll probably be maybe 10 hours a week or maybe five or could be three, depending what you're hiring them for, for the next six weeks, it will grow as it grows. Right. And, and it will come to the point where either you're going to grow with them and they're going to dump their other jobs or whatever. There's so many variables. And it just, you know, I say this with warmth. If you can't afford to start a team, then you need to start a team.
0: I, so it's almost like you're, you're saying you can't afford to not start a team.
1: You can't, you really truly can't without that. You're a sufferpreneur and it's a very expensive sport. It truly is. Right. And you're not truly in business. You're self-employed and there's just so many, so much overhead. It's just much more effective to have a job. Really the three areas that bleed money from your business that most people don't realize is damaging overhead, diminished opportunity and, uh, and delayed income. And the damaging overhead, people don't, no, no, you don't understand. It's just me. You are the damaging overhead because whatever you could charge your services for the hour, you are now spending that on rework, on redundant tasks, on copy and paste. So you are the most expensive damaging overhead. And then, of course, you know, diminished opportunity. Haven't we all heard when somebody says, oh, my gosh, like, I wish I'd known that a couple weeks ago, I would have hired you. And then delayed income. You have no idea how much that costs when you're just busy doing busy work which you didn't start a business to run a business. You started a business so that you could have a creative outlook, freedom, make choices. So now you don't even know how many opportunities you're missing because you're caught up in all this busy work. And, you know, what does that delayed income cost you because you're not consistent with getting new clients or getting stuff out, you know, or getting your next ambitious project out your next I'll book or your next book or anything. Right. So there's all kinds of things that are really draining you financially. and You just don't see it.
0: Yeah, I I think it was a, a guy I listened to. His name David Newman. And he talks about figuring out what your per hour charge is. OK, so whatever it is that you do, what is it that you make per hour and then how do you then you apply that to when you're doing the stuff that that's not making you money so for example when you're what you're talking about is you know, you have you go and you do the work and you you're at the with the client you take the notes and then when you come back to the office that whatever it is that you're whatever it is that you do to make money you're not doing that because you're putting the notes in and then as as you're doing that figure out what would i be making if i was actually doing what i was what I'm doing to make money. That's a really awkward and complicated way to say it. Do you, have a, do you have an easier way to explain that than what I just did?
1: Well, what I would say is when you do the math, what you'll find out more times than not is that you have diminished your hourly income to something that's not permissible by law. Okay. So you could charge, let's say you got a sweet package and it's like $2,500 to do, I don't know, whatever. Let's you know, whatever, a consult but that's not 2,500 bucks for the two hours you're working with that client or the three weeks or whatever it is. It's all the hours of pre and post work that you put in. So now all of a sudden it's $2,500 for like, you know, 37 hours of work, which is not a lot of money. Right? right. So we live in a copy and paste world and there's so much pre and post work. Let me give you another story. I have a, I had a client and she was an interior designer, and she's like, Chris, you don't understand. I go in, I see the room, that's not something we can, because let me put a pause in there for a second. It's not just about creating the team, it's about what I call a toolkit, and systems that save yourself stress time, energy, money. So a VA is not a team, that's where people get confused. Oh, I hired a VA and I just dumped work from my desk to her desk, right? And what that's about is just moving a pile of junk. What you need is for you and for her to be able to compress that work on a a continual basis so so that both of you have room for creative output and the next project, whatever that next project is, it could be to have a bigger impression on Instagram or to jump on Clubhouse now or do whatever, right? So what happened was, you know, uh, my client said to me, Chris, I go in, I see the room, It can't you know you can't help me in this capacity so we sat down we looked at her stuff and it took her about an hour and a half hour 45 minutes to do any project well you know she had this whole process which was great and then we examined it further and a lot of it could done be done before she went to the home and a lot of it was post work and all kinds of stuff so we got her appointments down to like you know between you know 20 to 30 minutes sometimes 45 minutes and then she started stacking them only in the mornings and then in the afternoon, she started doing all these speaking gigs and podcasts. And she's got the, now she's in this like big media sort of circuit thing happening. And she was so determined. No, no, you don't understand. I'm the only one. And so everyone always thinks their business is different. But there's a lot of pre and post work. And that can be leveraged with a team. And you can so afford the team. If it's done strategically and effectively. It's not just about hiring random people.
0: Okay. So what you're talking about really is it's kind of different than what I was was originally hearing okay because what i was originally hearing is okay so you just outsource some of this stuff you get a va and you get the va to do a transcription but it's more you're talking about more than just Mm -hmm. bringing in for lack of a better term extra staff to do there's got to be a strategy involved and and it sounds to me like the strategy needs the strategy needs to be developed before the team is built is that is that proper or what are your thoughts there
1: that's a great point, a great comment, because that is often what people think. So what will happen is they put everything on pause because they think, well, once I once I catch up, once I have time, once after this next thing, I'm going to then spend a week and build out all these systems, which aren't going to work anyhow, because the system is only as good as when you start to use it. And then you go, oh, there's a hiccup here. Or I forgot this information there. So it's a breathing thing. And it also doesn't sound interesting because it sounds heavy and all this stuff. We call them toolkits and they're very... Usable and easy to navigate through, and because no business is run on memory, nobody hands, you know, a FedEx driver an organ and says, "Get this to the Chicago hospital." And then they say, "You've got the address, right?" Like that's not how it goes, right? Right. So what you want to have is what we call these toolkits, and these toolkits are you're constantly, you know, they're constantly evolving. So for example, let's say. And you're right. It's not just about bringing somebody on and BA that that's where people are short sighted. It's not about just having a BA, right? That's just adding chaos to chaos is more people to chaos is just chaos. Right? So you might say, all right, this is something I do. I'm going to screen capture There's so many different platforms out there. that will offer you a free screen capture. You can say, look, I'm just going to copy this on the screen. I'm going to do a two minute video. I'm going to show her what I'm doing. Resort back to show and tell people kindergarten taught you a lot show and tell. So you'll show and tell, you'll send them the video and say, can you do this? I, you just watch what I do. And then they're like, great, I can do that. And then when you've done that, can you please write out the steps so that we can add to that process so we can tweak it so that we don't come up with a good idea and realize, oh, we had that good idea three months ago, but it fell off and now it's come back. Right. So it it really is something that, you know, we work with people on a number of levels, showing them how to do, because the strategy is everything. And that's the part people are missing. Okay. Let me,
0: I want to kind of, I'm thinking through this out loud. Okay. And
1: sure.
0: Uh, people are talking about, I have to wait until I'm caught up. I have to wait until, mm-hmm. um, is there, is there value in bringing on team members to be the ones to help you get caught up so that you can, can go on with that? Or is that, is there a, a learning curve that's there that makes that? you know, not as good a strategy or what are your thoughts there?
1: That is a really loaded question, you know, and often when we're working with our group coaching clients, that's often one of the first things that they ask me. And, and, and it, it, it's a gray area because what I want you to understand is this. You can't bring the, the misnomer, the misunderstanding often is I am swamped, everything's out of control. Or I'm trying to catch up and I'll hire this VA and she'll come in like a 1950 secretary for a small town doctor and organize me. And she's, you know, Ethel will take care of this. Right. Right. And that doesn't work because they can't parent you. And you know, they, th- it is very stressful on them and you're going to burn through a VA. They will just quit and not show up because they're going to get fired anyhow. And then you're in a state and you're going to dump on them. They've seen it before. So that doesn't work. Uh, you know, that just does not work. However, you, you'll never get your ducks all in a row ready to hire somebody. So there has to be the blending of two worlds. Like I said, you might bring somebody on. And again, you know, we spent years. It's not, it's not hard stuff, but there is a whole science behind it and strategy, right? It's kind of like getting into a car, you know, if you've ever had the horror of teaching a teenager how to, you know, or a sibling or anybody how to drive a car. Uh-huh until you turn the ignition, it doesn't matter how the wipers and all the other things are all there, but there has to be an order in which for the whole machine to go. So what happens is when you bring somebody on, we have a whole onboarding and a hiring process and strategy and there's a whole very simple, simple, simple things to do, but they have to be done in a sequence. And when we do that, we can say, all right, you can bring them on and we can have them help you creating these processes if you follow this process. So it's not black and white. It's not either or, but that is the mistake that most people make. They either think, oh, I'll just get me one of those, uh, you know, beautiful secretaries back in time, 1950s, and she's going to clean up my mess and I won't know what to do without her. Or I will then wait till, you know, everything is caught up, which here's the secret. If you are caught up in business, you are out of business because you ran out of things to do.
0: Yeah, very true. So it's funny that you use that analogy because I'm thinking about the systems that are in place and how it's a, it's a graduated learning curve. Okay. And let me give you the example. I taught my younger sister how to drive. Okay. And she, it was great and it was fine. But then one day somebody gave her a car and it had a manual transmission Mm -hmm. and she didn't know how to do that. And so I went out and I taught her how to drive with a stick shift, but She already knew how to use the wipers. She already knew how to use the turn signal. She already knew how to turn and judge braking distances and all those things. And so we went out and it was a matter of this is the one area that we're working on is how to use the clutch and how to get started and how to shift gears. And so it absolutely drove her nuts for about an hour and a half in which it was like, okay, we use the clutch. We're in first gear. We get started. And now, you know, you get going and you get in second gear. And then I said, stop. And she's like, but I just got going. So okay, but what we need to learn is the system for using this. I don't care about the rest of it. It's not about, you can drive. It's about this particular system and developing the skills around that. And it sounds to me like that's kind of what you're talking about is that as you're doing things, you're, you're developing the system around, okay, how does this work and how do we do this particular thing? And then, it, you know, that becomes a process and that process becomes replicable.
1: Yeah. There is a whole science to creating efficient toolkits, okay, and how the brain operates information. I mean, we've all heard the the Sully or saw the movie when he landed the plane in the Hudson River you know, they had a book out and they were looking like, you know, and they had something like, I don't ridiculous, like 118 seconds to make a decision. So people always think that, Oh, my business is different. You guys out there may think, Oh, you don't understand my business is different. Everyone always thinks that your business is different, but you know, that plane going down may be responsible for something like 300 souls. And you know, they, Their business is different. Hospitals are different, like they, they're really, you know, you might be publicly embarrassed or somebody cranky at you or want money back, but, you know, there is a science to making toolkits or processes really efficient. And here's the thing, it doesn't sound interesting, but what happens is your mind is meant for creating ideas, not for storing information. So when I hop in to do something and I'm working on a project, that's great. Then it has my full attention and it's just so beautiful. Like I've got the space and time and I can boom, I've got two hours to get this content out or write it up because everything else, everything that we do week to week, if it takes 10 steps, it gets down to eight. Cause we're always looking at how to do it quicker and more efficient. And, and like you, the example you gave with driving, excuse me, we all know that when you first start driving, like, oh my gosh, your your hands, they're no longer at 10 and two, but whatever they are now with the airbags, and there's all this concentration, all these things you have to check. And now you're just, you know, you don't think of any of that. You're thinking about, I'm driving along, what do I need at the grocery store? So it doesn't dominate any of your mental, you know, power. And that's the thing when you've got a Toolkit or systems and play with your business. You are always in the creation mode, which is why you started your own business is so that you could lean into that creative mode way more than the admin mode. You had the admin task that was a job, and you left it.
0: Got it. And I just I'd be curious to get your comment on this because I've heard I've heard someone talking about the fact that basically figure out what is it that you do for your business. And then everything else becomes, and I don't know if this word is, is a real word or not, but delegatable or delegable or whatever, um, that whatever it is that, that is your core function that no one else can do except you, that's what you need to do. And then everything else is something that you can, you can bring on team members to help you with. it. How, do, how does that sound to you?
1: Yeah, that will take care of itself and it will happen more and more. And you just realize, like, there's all kinds of things week to week. I realize, huh, I thought I needed to be doing that. I don't need to be doing that. Like, so your team will get better and better. And frankly, I'm all about being the dumbest person in the room. And we get more and more efficient. And because we clear more and more stuff off our desk, we start to have bigger and bigger ambitions, right? Like, so my podcast manager, so I have the Win the Hour, Win the Day podcast. And we were looking, because we were up to almost 200 five-star reviews. We're all excited. We're going to make a little banner. And we're chartable now, where we were getting our information. Now that we're a year in, they say, okay, if you want to know your reviews, your accumulation of reviews from the year before, you need to pay more. I'm like, well, I know they're vanity metrics. I want to know them, but I don't want to pay for them. So I started asking people in different groups, hey, are you using anything other than chartable? They're like, no, that's what we all use. So we're great. So I'm like, okay so then my ruby comes back to me and says i did some research and she found this thing called podcast is a ratings ratings catcher ratings catcher okay so i didn't know stitcher could collect reviews i just thought itunes could right so she shows me we're at like 900 reviews and we're trying to hit 200 right right Um, and these are really thoughtful kind articulate reviews i'm like oh my gosh so what that did was not only just, oh, my heavens, get me all excited that people are liking the show, but it made me realize, like, this is what we are leaning into. Like, we seem to do better when I'm on audio, when I have one-to-one meetings with people, content and contact seem to be my zone of genius. So we looked at that and said, wow, these reviews are really articulately stunning. Okay, so we need to do more with the podcast. How can we leverage that more? Mm-hmm. So that just created a whole bunch of ideas because, you know, that was what she was focused on. And then it leveraged more creation out of me.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. Listen, if people are trying to find you on the web or your podcast, where's the easiest way to get you?
1: Uh, Chris Ward, K-R-I-S-W-A-R-D, anywhere. I'm on all the socials, LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook, all that stuff. Tell me, you know, reach out and tell me that, hey, I'm a smart person now. I'm official. Tell me you heard me on this fantastic podcast, and I'll be thrilled to hear any of your thoughts. And, you know, of course, check out www.WinTheHourWinTheDay.com, and also check out www.FreeGift, G-I-F-T, from Chris, K-R-I-S dot com. We've got some goodies there for
0: you. Beautiful, and I will put links to uh, both of those things, the website and to the the free gifts website as well, so that folks can get stuff. And I'll try and put in your social media stuff in the show notes so that people can find you. Chris, thank you so much. We, you have shared a ton. It is obvious that you are smart. This is what I love about the show. You talk about, you know, you don't have to be, you can be the dumbest person in the room. I get to be here, I bring on smart people and I learn from them and my audience benefits from the smartness of the people that are on on here, not necessarily from any of the intelligence of the host. So this has been great. It is time for three questions to establish your humanity. You ready for these?
1: I'm hoped I am.
0: (laughs) Uh, Have you ever had a surprise party for you that was actually a surprise?
1: I had two. I had a surprise party when I was 23, and I was surprised. But here's something really interesting. I bet you've never heard this before. I had a surprise birthday one year. I had a birthday, and I had gone through what my family felt, a little bit of a difficult time. So my birthday's in August, and I showed up one day in January at my sister's and they felt that I should start the year over and they planned a surprise birthday for me. So the, they had me convinced after right the day it was my birthday. We had dinner, we had presents, we did the whole thing. So I had a surprise birthday one year.
0: That is hilarious. I love it.
1: I know. Yeah.
0: Cool. Uh, what is your favorite movie?
1: Oh. <gasps> my favorite movie hands down Rocky. Oh.
0: Beautiful. Yeah. I, Okay, no, we have a kindred spirit. Not only do we have some Canadian heritage together, um, I grew up in Philadelphia, and so I, you know, in the Philadelphia suburbs, the people in Philadelphia get mad at you when I say, like, I grew up in Philly. It's like, yeah, Philly is a huge metro area. But, yeah, yeah. I, and I remember there was actually you know, the iconic scene where he runs up the stairs and he's yeah. standing at the top of the stairs of the art museum. Well, they had made, a, they made actually a, a statue of that moment and they put it at the top of the art museum stairs and yeah. there was a huge controversy in the Philadelphia art population to say like this isn't actually art this is oh. just the, they you know and so they made them take it down and now i think oh. it's it's in front of one of the sports stadiums down there because the the art people said rocky is not art go figure
1: that's another whole show yeah,
0: we we won't <laughs> Bring get me into back
1: that. For that debate
0: yeah so um last question for you what is a favorite family recipe? Is it something that your family makes or someone that somebody in your family makes that it just, it means family to you?
1: Well, that is a funny story because I actually, I'm told I'm a good cook and I'm a good baker, but my mom was from a very large family. So my grandmother watered down food. She would take a can of cheap beans and then add a cup of water because she had so many kids. So she was always diluting food. So there's not a lot of family recipes. And then also that generation of people she raised learn from her. So they were bad cooks. So I'll just tell you the truth. You you can come to my house, I will take care of you. I'm a fantastic barbecuer too. Most people don't know that. Like that's my zone of genius. Um, so I'll take care of you, but stay away from the rest of the family.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that is so funny. I, and it makes it makes perfect sense. Yeah, and um yeah in thirty seconds I'll try and tell this story, but the, the recipes they get passed down from family to family or from generation to generation. Have you ever heard the story about the the young lady who was learning how to cook the Christmas ham, and her mom yes. explains that you've got to cut, yes. you know, like three inches off the ham, and she's like, "Why?" It's because that's what my mom taught me, and so she goes and asks yeah. her grandmother, and she says, "Well, it's because of what my mom taught me." She goes to ask the great grandmother, and the great grandmother says, "Well, of course you have to cut three inches off it because we had a wood fired stove, and the ham was too big if you didn't cut the three inches off." So, it, it, it's it's funny how things be tradition become rules and people have no idea why they're doing what they're doing chris ward thank you so much for being on the show you are indeed a smart person go tell your mom that you are now certified and feel free to share this everywhere to everybody that's listening thanks so much for being a part of this today i hope you have learned as much as i have and i will remind you as always that when you stop learning you stop living have a great day everybody